Disobedience caused God's people to fall into slavery, but the Lord promises to restore their freedom when he sees their repentance. A reading from the book of Judges. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth Hagoyim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Labadoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kedish and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kaishan with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 123, found in your worship booklet on page 3. Would you please stand and sing? Paul reminds believers that no one when, that no one knows when history will end, so they must turn away from sin and live in the light of Christ. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep, as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, 
the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be as when a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. Matthew has Jesus tell this story, and this story is supposed to tell us what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. To me, it sounds a lot more like a lesson in cutthroat economics than it does in the kingdom of heaven. To all who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. And to those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Sounds like the way our economy works much of the time. How is this supposed to be like the kingdom of heaven? First of all, some facts. Um, A talent is a lot of money. Um, It was 6,000 denarii, and a denarius was a day's wage for a minimum wage worker. So if you figure that they didn't work on the Sabbath, six days a week, divide that out, that's 19 years worth of wages. So if a minimum wage worker, a day laborer these days makes $10 an hour, multiply that times 60 hours a week and 19 years, 
and you get half a million dollars. I couldn't believe it. I had to go back and do the math a second time. Yes, it's half a million dollars. So to one slave, he gives two and a half million dollars. To another slave, a million dollars. And to a third slave, half a million dollars. It's very unusual for a master to liquidate his assets and give them to a slave. It would have been perfectly normal for the master to have said to his slaves, you take care of the farm while I'm gone. Um, but to liquidate that, turn it into cash, then to give it to his slaves. And finally, for those slaves to trade with it. Wealth was seen as land in those days. Had nothing to do with money. Money was seen as dirty. Um, and trade was seen as despicable. To buy a shipload of grain in Africa and bring it to Rome and sell it for a profit um, was certainly necessary, but despicable. But I guess when you're a slave, how much more despicable can you get? So they, they trade money with it and, ma and make money with it. So the one who got the five talents, when the master comes back, he says, look, you gave me five talents. I traded, made five more talents. Here it is. He's ready to give it back to his master. Here's the two and a half million I started with, the two and a half million I made, five million for you. And the master says, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a little. A little? Two and a half million dollars? I will put you in charge of much. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with the two talents, a million dollars, says, here's the million you gave me, here's the million I earned, it's yours. Well done, good and trusty slave. You have been faithful in a little. I will put you in charge of much. Enter the joy of your master. The third guy comes and says, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you didn't scatter. Here's the half million you gave me, safe and sound. He knew that his master was a hard man. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sure enough, he says, take it from him and give it to the one with the five. He was probably the sort of character who thought, he got two and a half million dollars. He got a million dollars. Why did I only get a half a million dollars? Well, shoot, I'm not going to do anything with that. The other two saw the master as generous. So we have a choice if we're going to read this as an allegory of God. We can either see God as generous beyond our wildest expectations or as stingy. And if we see God as stingy, that will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we see God as generous, that too will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're reading the book Unbinding Your Heart and um, Martha Reese talks about evangelism by the numbers. Are you, are you seeing newcomers, she says, as prey? We need more young people. We need more families. We need more women. We need more whatever it is. When you see people as numbers, you can hardly wait to pounce on them and get them into, into your church. Um, I've also heard that called vampire evangelism. We need new blood, and so we're going to get folks in here. But when we're doing that, we're afraid. We're afraid of the good that we don't have enough of the good things God has given us. And so we're like that third servant who buries the treasure in the ground. But if instead we see all of the wonderful things God has given us, then we can't wait. It says of the two who went out and traded that they went out immediately 
and traded money. They can't wait to be doing it. She quotes a prayer, and I looked it up. Um, she quoted it a little bit um, incorrectly, but I found it in the Oxford Book of Prayer. This was a prayer that someone found next to the body of a child at the Ravensbrook concentration camp, and it's a stunning prayer. O Lord, remember not only the men and women of goodwill, but also those of ill will, but do not remember all of the suffering they have inflicted on us. Remember the fruits we have bought thanks to this suffering, our comradeship, our loyalty, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart which has grown out of all of this. And when they come to judgment, let all the fruits which we have borne be their forgiveness. If anybody had a right to see God as stingy, it was that guy. And instead sees God as generous. All of the things that have come to us because of this, let it be for their forgiveness. This is also going to be my stewardship sermon. Um, we don't have a budget posted, and we're not doing that this year. If we try and raise money to meet the budget, we're like the third guy in this story. We're afraid. We don't have enough. We won't meet the budget. We're not going to be able to get the things done that we need to do. And so we bury what we've got in the ground. But if we see God as generous, we look instead at all of the things God gives us, the relationship and the fellowship that we have here, um, all of the good things that come to us, the work that we do through the diocese as far away as Louis, um, into the prisons, the, the detention centers in St. Louis for the kids, all of the things that come to us because of our membership here. And we see God as generous and can't wait to share that with others and make more. So we have a choice. We can either be afraid, especially in this economy, I'm not going to have enough. It just isn't going to work out. I need to watch out for my own interests. And we can bury those gifts God has given us in the ground. Or we can see God as generous and say, look at the amazing stuff God has given us. Five talents. What can we do with that? Go out there and trade. And then when we spend it and give it away, it comes back to us a hundredfold. Amen.